We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the homeless rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Joining me tonight for this second episode of 2018, I got my trusty co-host, John Stefanczyk. How you doing tonight, John? We're good. It was a balmy 40 degrees today in New Hampshire. Man. It's like it's like summer for us. It's really heating up. Wait, so, okay, New Hampshire question. New Hampshire weather question, actually. Um, so this is right oh. up your alley. I saw the there was like a, a New York Times push notification i think maybe five days ago they said yeah, the, the, washington was tied for the coldest place on earth probably oh may, yeah i saw the one that said new hampshire was going to get negative 100 with the wind chill was that yeah, did well, you experience yeah, top, that yeah top of mount washington so what so what was it like there like how cold did it get not on top of mountain where you live what what, what were the temps you were oh, dealing you got with to negative 21 negative 21 chill. so like you just try to minimize going outside as much as possible. Like you, I went outside all of like ten minutes this past weekend. Well, like your eyelashes freeze, will your nose freeze? How does that uh, work? It really wasn't that. It wasn't as bad. If you have enough layers on, anything twos. I mean, the dew point's like negative eighteen. Uh huh. So drier air. It's right. not as. It's not as bad as like if it was heavier near the Gulf, which you'll never get that cold near the Gulf of Mexico. But. Right. I guess that makes sense. The humidity kind of exacerbates both hot and cold. Yep. Yeah, the dryer makes it easier. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Glad you survived that. And you were saying uh, you're headed, headed in the right direction to 48 tomorrow, so it's going to be like pretty hot. Put the shorts on, maybe. 56 and rain an inch on Friday. You don't oh, want my God. Move, move a bunch of snow around, so it's going to be a mess. But Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds like a slushy disaster. Um, so we were just talking before the show, guys. Um, you know, not a ton to talk about um, right now. A little bit of a dead period. It, maybe if Ole Miss was uh, having a little bit better basketball season, we could just go full-on basketball show. We, we will talk about that. Um, we'll talk about it. I think the Rebels went 1-1 one one this week, beat State, oh. lost to Auburn. What's up, John? You got something you want to say? We'll start here. Your Jags won. My ja- exactly. My very uh, – that my barely cared about Jags. I mean – I was thinking about this the other day. I have such little connection to pro sports teams. Like, I'm a Cubs fan, kind of. Like, I just picked them a few a couple years ago. I'm a Jags fan because I've had family there my whole life. So my grandparents retired, um, and I have family out there still. And, I mean, it's just, like, the, the most tenuous NFL connection you could possibly have. But being from Jackson, you know, kind of a pro sports desert, I've never really been a Saints fan. Um, the, the Titans never really resonated with me either. So yeah, I guess I guess I'm a Jags fan. Uh, got it done in the the least convincing way possible, huh? Was that the least offensive playoff win you can you can remember? Game 
Well, I mean, it was going to be an ugly game, and it was kind of how it was beautiful how ugly it Wait, was. Bortles, Bortles finished with more pass, more rush yards than pass yards, right? He's the first quarterback I think ever oh, to attempt more than twenty passes <laughs> and have more rushing yards than pass yards. It's just it's insane. It probably goes back to the the days when it was a wing tee. Oh my gosh, that's that is crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, just get it done, right? And they play the Steelers next. Yep. I don't necessarily like their chances, but we shall see. Um, oh yeah, the Titans win, right? Uh, beat the Chiefs. Yeah, Andy Reid was Andy Reid. Yeah, um, just totally choked it away in the end. The. Farrell Cooper had the worst game as a returner ever. Mm-hmm. The cool thing, so I was actually flying back uh, from Las Vegas during that game, and Southwest. <laughs> what'd you say? You win or lose money? Um, I, I mean, I didn't like net positive by any stretch, but like I came back with money that I had taken to gamble. So I mean, overall a win. You know, I kind of walked in there saying. You know, I got this money from Christmas. I'll just assume I'm down this much, and bringing any of it back was a win. So I did pretty well. Um, but no, the cool thing I was going to say was we were flying Southwest. You get on that SouthwestWiFi.com, a little free yep. free live TV, watch the Titans game for the whole three hour flight. It was fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so yeah, Titans win. They play the Patriots next, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. Uh, I think Sean Ray, good friend of the pod, he's our webmaster as well. Uh, thinks I'm just an enemy of the Titans. Um, but really, I just have no attachment. I'm calling them like I see them. I, th- I thought the Chiefs were going to win. I think the Patriots will definitely win. So it's nothing personal against the Titans. I just don't think they're as good as the Patriots, obviously. No, they're not good. Yeah, so we shall see, Sean. Uh, if, if you're right, you will once again get to uh, tell me how wrong I was. So that's exciting. Um, Thanks, Go ahead. I want a Saints-Pat Super Bowl. I want to have some fun up here in the office with the Pats fans. That would be fun. Sean Payton is the jack is the type of jackass needed to uh, deal with obnoxious Boston fans. So Ooh, I like that take. That's pretty good. He, he is. This is his role in life. So, who 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 would you like in that game if uh if that's what it came down to? Not hard who to not go. who would you support? Who do you think would win? It's hard to go against Belichick and Belichick gets two weeks and mm-hmm. Brady gets. They're the Alabama Saints, Saints is like, oh, let's run the ball this year. And then it's funny, the whole rumor the whole thing all year was, oh, can Brees throw down the field anymore? Like Right. You know, not throwing down the field. Then the wild card game, Carolina says we are not gonna get run over today and Brees throws for three eight. <laughs> so it's like come on guys. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how it comes out. I think the Vikings will be tough for the Saints. If Saints can get past the Vikings this week, mm-hmm. I I wanna see a Saints Falcons NFC title game. In the dome, that'd be fun. Yeah, division rivals that hate each other. That'd be good for sure. Um, so yeah, national championship game, all SEC, Georgia, Alabama. I think we talked about it on last week's show. A little preview. Um, was definitely cheering for Georgia. Uh, you know, I, I prefer the the infant dynasty to the the boring, fully matured Alabama, soul crushing uh, Nick Saban style. What I, I'm tired of Alabama winning. Exactly. Yeah. The only thing that makes this tolerable is uh, is Tua is fantastic. Hey, uh, I mean, he won the game. He won the game with a great play. 
Yeah. He had his he had his mistakes as well. He he well, he, he made good he, plays before then, but he made some mistakes too. They were totally lost with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Yeah, they they couldn't do anything. It's like Bortles out there. He was all he was able to do was run. Yeah. Table Cobbleson deserves a shout out for saying that uh should have started Tua from the beginning. Yeah. But He's definitely not wrong. I mean, did you see the familiarity between Tua and Saban? I mean, it's clear that Saban has thought about this before, if that makes sense. They seem to be pretty close. Like, they clearly had, I don't know. It's just, it seemed closer than you would expect for a, a head coach and his backup quarterback in a normal situation, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm reading they too let, much into it. They let Tua do a lot when he played earlier in the year. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so no, I mean what I mean that's obviously the story of the game. The decision of the game was to bench Hertz. Um, did it happen at halftime? Tua came out, and yep. just played the whole second it half. Started the whole second half. It was funny that they put they put Hertz in late, late in the game to uh, to center the ball. And we'll have to talk about the kicking game. That's obviously a huge part of this game for uh, for Ole Miss fans. But uh, they 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 put Hertz in because they hadn't practiced centering the ball with Tua, and that was that's just funny that you. Your starting quarterback has to come back in just to center the ball. That's really funny. Turn of events. Um, of course, with the kicking game, I'm referencing Andy Papanastos, um, former Ole Miss backup kicker. Wasn't good enough to beat out Wonderlick at Ole Miss. Saban took him as Ole Miss's uh, leftovers, basically. Misses two kicks in this game. One of them would have been the defining story of the game if Georgia had won in overtime. Papanasios gets super bailed out by uh, the, the the long pass that Tua made to win the game in overtime. Nobody's really going to remember. Um, but, wow, what a miss, huh? He was, like, on the, the 20 or in. It was a really short kick, and he hooked it really hard to the left. Uh, I, I audibly reacted to that in my house. It's the opposite of Jonathan Nichols missing it wide or right. Papanasios duck hooked it, but it hooked it bad. Yeah, it ended up to not matter, but, I mean – and then on the other side, Rodrigo Blankenship for Georgia is just incredible. He he drilled like a fifty something, fifty three yarder in the first overtime, uh, and then turns around and and Tua has the ball, takes a big sack on the first play. Um, so you know you're well out of Papanasos's range. Then honestly, what, did you have any fourth and twenty five flashbacks watching the second and tw- watching the twenty? A little bit, yeah, no, a little bit for sure. Right. I mean, I thought when Tua took that sack, Bama was screwed. Um, what I don't understand is if you're Georgia, why are you not thinking long pass there? Because Bama can't really, you can't really chunk out second and twenty six. I mean, you got to just take some risk there. Well, they they could be um, probably the conservative thing would be to throw underneath, right? Get, get it to third and fifteen, and then you're what at the thirty, so you got a four seven. So you, you think Georgia was looking at the underneath routes more than the post? I think Georgia was thinking they're going to try to piecemeal this over two downs. I just so. think with their kicker being so bad, I, I feel like it was a no brainer. They were just going to try for the end zone at that point. But yeah, I don't know. I also hindsight's twenty twenty. So I, Georgia didn't. Well, I don't think they weren't prepared for Tua. Tua throw, plus, Tua throws the ball better than Hurts. Well, and, and mentally, Georgia went up, was it 20-6, to six, something like that, and they tried to they tried to go conservative yep. in the third quarter. They could never really put their foot back down on the gas. They looked pretty lost for the entirety of the fourth quarter. Um, it was just like watching a, a car crash in slow motion if you were a Georgia fan because they were winning for for pretty much the whole game, and yet it, it didn't feel like they were going to win at all for the entire fourth quarter. Um, by the time Papanastos had that that kick to win the game, as time expired, it really seemed like uh, all hope was lost for Georgia. He misses the kick, get a little bit back. Like I say, they got the field goal, but then man, it was all over just like that. I mean, I don't know about you, I was watching the coaches' room broadcast, 
Did you watch that or something else? I watched the uh, the ESPN broadcast, mm-hmm. and I haven't had a coffee at the half to try to get me through the second <laughs> half. I fell asleep with five minutes left in the game and woke up with saving getting the trophy. So oh, I had to man. Go... Yeah, I really that was a crazy. That was a crazy last five I, minutes. I, I was so damn happy that I live up here, not in the middle of SEC country, with this whole SEC playing Atlanta, Georgia, trying to fulfill its destiny. Means more, dude. It just means Bro. more. Whatever. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. People, people in Mississippi didn't really care either way, honestly. Um, but no, I was gonna say, um, the coaches' room. Sorry, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking about. Pretty cool. Matt Luke's on there. You got David Cutcliffe, uh, Mike Bobo. Um, Matt Luke, good. Mike Gundy. You know the way they did it was it seemed like every coach on there um, was kind of there to talk about their thing. So you know, Cutcliffe was talking about quarterbacks. Gundy was talking about kind of the the pass happy option offense. Matt Luke really talked a lot about offensive line schemes, about run blocking. And I thought when he talked about line stuff, he sounded really smart. He knew he was seeing stuff with the line that I don't think any of the other coaches were seeing because, like I said, they were focused on what they're what they're good at, what they know. Um, there were definitely moments where he was just kind of sitting in silence while the other coaches talked about something that maybe he didn't totally understand, but I thought on the whole looked really good. I thought it was, it was a major coup for him to even be on the broadcast um, as such a inexperienced head coach. Um, it was, it was good exposure for sure. And the reason I brought it up the first time was um, when they hit that pass on second and 26, uh, these coaches were just shocked. They were, they were just stunned silence. Like, wow. That, cause it, cause they had been talking the whole time and then it was all over so quickly. It was, it was a pretty dramatic end to a – it was a really good game, a long game, and a dramatic end for sure. So no congratulations to Alabama. They don't need them. Uh, they're, they've already pat themselves in the back enough for uh, for all of us. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, on to next season, I guess, where Alabama is going to be just as good as always. I guess that's the good news to Alabama, right? You don't really have to worry that much about what they bring back every year because it's really going to be worse than they were – like for you as someone on their schedule every year – is it really going to be any harder than any other year? Probably not. I mean, they're always like the dominant team on the field. You can only win if you if you know you catch them off guard or do yeah. you know, some things that we've seen freeze do. You know, get up early and make them play from behind where they're not as comfortable. But with Tua, I mean, they, they have great receivers, and with Tua who can actually pass, definitely more worried about playing Bama in any situation, even if you're up. You know, because we saw it against Georgia, they're able to come back now with a. Uh, with a more pass happy quarterback, so they're going to be good for sure. I I don't really care that much because I I think next season, Ole Miss is going to be mo- mostly focused on just trying not to get embarrassed. Maybe win some uh some games like Arkansas or you know maybe push to beat A and M in uh in uh what's his face spot in Fisher's first year some stuff like that. Maybe I I don't think they really have any serious aspirations of beating a uh, Alabama and Auburn next year. Who should both be really good. Um. Alex Grinch, the Wazoo D coordinator that Table Collis and I are about, uh, he got hired by Ohio State. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, anybody have any questions on, is this guy valid? He got hired by Urban Meyer. That is legit. So he's the new defensive coordinator at Ohio State? Uh, he's a defensive assistant because it's the tenth. He's the tenth coach. Oh, okay. Uh huh. They're paying him eight hundred grand, which is more than Shiano made. About last to say, year. so Shiano is still the DC, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. 
It's interesting that there's no controversy at Ohio State, even though they. Oh, they defended Trestle to the nine after he got uh, fired just because they he wins. Ohio State is they're all in committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, there you go. Um, okay, so we talked about the national championship. That did not take up that much time. We're gonna talk about. Oh, uh- how interested are you in recruit? You interested in recruiting at all until signing day? Yeah, no. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before the show too. Like, I'm, I'm following it, but I'm not going to get like super worked up about any of the guys. Like, it's and also it's not like there are any Laquan Treadwells on the board. You know, there's no Robert Kimdichis to kind of to kind of drool over and all that. Um, too is that a lot? I mean, the majority of these classes have signed already. Right. Yeah. Everybody's been just saying this new early signing period's terrible. I mean, let's let, let's let the thing play out. Are there going to be some cases where coaches move? And right, sure. Lied to, sure, but hell, that happens every year anyway. Right. I, I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, I'm definitely not ready to write it off. Um, it's it's great when your school gets a good early signing period, right? Or you know, but but it can I can see people complaining. Um, like you said, if a if a coach was to leave, other other situations like that that can arise or you know, I, I wouldn't want a kid to get pressured into signing early somewhere that they, they don't totally want to be in, um, which you can imagine happening on a visit or something. But I guess the uh, the upside to, to all that is that signing day comes after a dead period, usually including the early signing period. So it's not like they could get pressured to sign while they're on campus or anything. That's the problem I have with, you know, people that say you want to get rid of early offers, let kids oh. sign at any age, you know, let, let a ninth grader sign if he wants or whatever. It's like, God, that would create so many crazy problems. I mean, the coaches would be different. Uh, who knows what the kid's going to think two years from now. Early commitments that early almost never um, hold unless it's, you know, somebody like DK Metcalf with deep ties to a program. Um, yeah, but like I said, not ready to write off the early signing period yet. I think the idea is good. Um, it definitely makes it easier for some of these recruits that have an offer they want to take. They know where they want to go. And, I mean – but really, all it is, it's for kids that aren't going to early enroll, right? Because, I mean, the early enroll kids already had an early signing period, basically. Um, so, yeah, to, to to wrap up recruiting, I guess, it's all of a sudden to talk about. Uh, Ole Miss is going after some more defensive players. You know, it feels like every year they're they're chasing linebackers at all times in the recruiting cycle. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's any the different. The early signing period does is it really cleans up early enrollment because you can – you can sign a financial aid, but you have to enroll in classes before you're locked in. It was always kind of gray, gray right. area. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. Yeah, it was like even early enrollees, they, they weren't in a LOI, really, until they actually started the winter session class or whatever. So you make a good point there, John. Like, if it wasn't for the early signing period up until, uh, I guess, maybe a couple of days ago when I think winter session started – there would have been rumors every day about how Matt Corral isn't really going to go to Ole Miss. You know, he's only committed. There was a whole report on Shea Patterson. Oh, yeah. The- Alabama, visiting Alabama and stuff before he had started classes and all that. Yeah, I, thing is- I, I mean, knowing Shea, he probably did, right? Well, that clown. I th- the other thing about uh, the early signing period is everybody that signed there came to a more, came to a pretty mature decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be JUCO guys last minute. They're going to be drama, but that's just the nature of the beast. But all the high school kids, these are people, this is where they want to go. They've made their decision. Yeah, and that kind of was something I was going to say. To separate the rational ones, which is the majority, versus signing day has always been, here's this 5% of kids that 
either addicted to the drama or they're literally all over the damn place. You'll get DJ Law situations. Mm-hmm. You'll get uh, CC Jefferson. You'll get Jeffrey Simmons gets eighty grand with the sure, you know you're sure, coming allegedly. down some just wild shit at the end. Which you're gonna have that in February, but now it's kind of like okay, we're gonna go. You know, here's the minority of the wild child. It kind of I don't know. It right, almost so makes good makes me feel better about it a little bit. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's a see that eighty percent of people are actually sensible about this. Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. Does that so? Does the early signing period pretty much tell us that? All the kids that Ole Miss is still going after, I mean, a really high percentage of them at least are probably the dramatic kind because they didn't sign early, or, or is that unfair to the kids? Maybe maybe their recruitment started slow and they're still weighing all their options. But I think a lot of them, it probably says, you know, they weren't ready to give up the uh, the competition for their signature yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's always going. I mean, it's, So, it's I mean, all- in, that, in that sense, early signing day might create an even crazier, you know, February 3rd, type uh window of of drama we'll see because then you may be you may be behind and say i gotta get desperate to get somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how it plays out i i like it so far everybody's and everybody's yeah me too. Failed, but who cares and, and i mean old miss did i think better than anyone would have expected with their early signing class and recruiting just in general i mean it's pretty stupid the stuff it's stupid said. it's it's the most important aspect when it comes to winning look at Saban and Bama um and it's also the dumbest you know least least coach controlled kind of aspect of it I mean it's 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 mostly decided by 17 year old kids egos uh and shady boosters that want to have influence and power um and the things that are very explicitly against the rules that they do to get the kiss signatures I mean it's not recruiting is a an ugly business um at every power five school Nobody really wants the uh, the curtain pulled back on what all's going on behind that. So we hide in this fantasy of amateurism and recruiting services, and it's all coded language and reporters saying one thing when they really mean a different thing about you know what's influencing the kids' decisions. It's it's honestly pretty dumb. Um, it, it's it's like, can you imagine if if the NFL draft was like this? Like you didn't know what anyone was getting paid or agreed to, and they changed their mind like five times and all goes on behind closed doors. Like it's just obviously a much better system, uh, much more transparent, much more competitively fair, you know, the way illegal the NFL does it than the illegal, legal, shady, against the rules, um, in between the, you know, in the gray areas, the way the NCAA works and NCAA Tell recruiting. kids don't just want to go to Alabama because they love Tuscaloosa. Well, here's the thing. Even if you love Tuscaloosa, if 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 Kirby's friend, whoever, or not even his friend, the guy that wears a Georgia polo but has never met Kirby Smart on purpose is going to pay you, you know, something with a lot of zeros after, and I'm not going to say any amounts, but you know, tens of thousands of dollars, is is Georgia really that much less appealing than Tuscaloosa? It's just not logical that that these kids would go to Tuscaloosa for free when they could go to a million not necessarily comparable programs, but 95% is good. You know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, USC, you know, Florida State, Texas A&M, these, these kind of places where the, the facilities aren't that much worse. The only thing that's lacking compared to Alabama is a, an arbitrary number of championships. That doesn't matter to a kid. Uh, and maybe like 40 off-the-field analysts or something. It's, it's hard for you to convince me that those differences alone are, are what draws kids into Tuscaloosa. And yeah, winning's great, but... 
when you're a five-star recruit, you think you're going to win just about anywhere you go. You're, you're not that worried about, uh, you know, going 10 and two versus 12 and zero if the difference is a large monetary sum. It just, if you're logical about it, if you're honest with yourself, I'm talking to you, Alabama fans. It's, it's, it's hard to deny. Kids are getting paid. That's that's all we're saying. That's all I'm saying. But hey, they cover it up. Yeah, exactly. People that were sloppy about covering up were the uh, were Chuck Persons and the Auburn Tigers basketball team. However, you know it's kind of like Bruce Pearl's in his comfort zone now because what are they now? Like fifteen and one or something? Yeah, they're they're on the second longest winning streak in the country. You talk about kicking the shit out of Ole Miss in the second half last night. Oh yeah, it was it was a huge it was a huge swing. Ole Miss was up ten at halftime, loses by fifteen. Although really, really they lost by ten. Uh, the last five points, one was a deep three at the end of the shot clock. There was a total lucky throw up. The other was a a dunk with one second left on the clock while Bruce Pearl was waving his hands like stop, stop. I mean, it's hard to believe that Bruce Pearl doesn't have a very disciplined team, right? I mean, he's such a ordered, um, under control guy himself. I can't imagine that. Uh, his teams would play out of control, right? I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. I really hate Bruce Pearl. I don't like Auburn fans. Sorry to Kent, our friend from Friday Rolling, who I do like as a person, but on the whole, I, I don't like Auburn fans. I think they're much too proud of themselves for accomplishing very little uh, on any average day, um, and they do stuff like um, you know finding a way is a, is an obvious thing that stands out. The Laquan Treadwell front page and you know just the, the way that the way they acted last night they're i'm not a fan um they got a lot they got a lot of calls um whatever that's how it goes when you're on the road in college basketball the the home team gets better calls uh i, I think old miss probably benefited from that somewhat when they hosted mississippi state and won um earlier in the week on saturday but you know Whatever, Auburn's definitely the better team. I, they, we couldn't get the ball inside at all on them, uh, especially in the second half. Um, they they played a lot better against Ole Miss's zone in the second half, and at the same, and like what, like a nine or eleven game, whatever it was, winning streak, Ole Miss against Auburn. That that can't last forever. It's got to end sometime. So, whatever. I mean, I don't think anyone's really thinking this team is going to be able to get an at-large bid at the NCAA tournament. If anything, they would have to get hot and win the SEC tournament. Um, to, to get into the NCAA tournament, I think that's probably the reality at this point. But still a lot of games left to be played. I'm, I'm still enjoying watching them. I mean, they have some fun pieces still. Um, last night, uh, DeAndre Burnett misses the game with the flu. I mean, that really hurts you. He's your leading scorer. Uh, Bruce Stevens fouled out with like 11 minutes left. He's been playing really well as of late. Hit some threes, played some good, uh, some good defense. Uh, bodied up and, and scored down low as well. So I, I like Stevens a lot, and the good news is I think he still has three years left to play, two after this one. Um, so th- there will still be pieces after this year. Uh, we'll see who the coach is. I, I don't know what, what Kennedy's future is. Not necessarily he get fired, but a lot of people speculate he wants to leave. Um, we know there's tension there between him and Jeffrey Vitter. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the future holds for this team, but for now they're just kind of plodding along getting some wins, losing some games. As, as far as the state game, uh, state has a good record. I think they only have two losses now after losing to Ole Miss, but I really think they're they're quite bad. Um, they're last in the SEC in three-point percentage and free throw percentage. Um, it, it, that, it, in other words, uh, that's a really good matchup for Ole Miss's zone. You need to hit threes to get uh, 
to get the other team out of the zone. And, and if you drive, you need to be able to make your free throws if you get fouled. And Mississippi State can't do either of those things. So I, I don't expect them to uh, to do great in the rest of SEC play, but we'll see. Uh, I think Hallen's a, a very boring coach. He can obviously recruit, but his, his teams seem pretty lethargic and they don't really change anything up over the course of the game. So um, I'm not I'm not super scared of Hallen as an Ole Miss fan. No, he recruits, he can't coach. Too much. Mm-hmm. I guess basketball really gets going here in another two months when the NCAA tournament's announced and we do, uh, we go see, uh, go see some March Madness. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I really don't know. Is, I'm not even sure who the best team in the league is. Ole Miss gets Florida on Saturday. I mean, always had a ton of talent there. I think maybe, maybe A&M could be the best team. Am I, am I, misspeaking there i know kentucky is kentucky i think tennessee is good this year um avery johnson's team in alabama decent i think they're like 10 and 6 i mean like we said that auburn team is like pretty good overall it seems like a much improved league uh i don't know if there's anyone well above the rest of the pack at the top there there seems to be several teams that can kind of compete with each other so we'll see like it so yeah um Let's see. What else do you want to talk about, John? Do you want to talk about the interview we were talking about earlier? Oh, uh, Mike Thompson. Mm-hmm. You didn't listen to the Mike Thompson interview. I have not that. heard it. I, I didn't honestly see a ton of chatter about it, but I, I mean. There wasn't a whole lot there. It was blah, 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 good rebel. Um, they were basically scared to roll out the rebel black bear mascot because they feared for his safety. Hmm. So it's like, well, wait, 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 but, wait, 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 what they were, they were saying back when the bear first debuted, they were scared for the safety of the person in the suit. Correct. Okay. I Dustin, mean, they, they you, do know that like heard what they, what was said to the bear in the grove. I mean, it, yeah. What was said, who cares? It, like if someone assaults the bear, they're going to go to jail. Like as a person in that's just, <laughs> that's insane. Like, what do you think is going to happen? That's just crazy. That's like anyone on on campus on a game day being like, I'm scared that I'm going to get beat up. It's like, well, I mean, if someone tries to beat you up, there are cops here. Don't worry. The Bears' enduring moment was the box over its head against La Tech in 2011. It was really funny. They never tried to make the bear work. It was – No, they they, they, uh, – they didn't try. They never tried to make the bear work. I agree. They didn't have any merchandise for it. They didn't try to make any money off of it. I mean, it's almost like it was always going to be the sacrificial kind of lamb to to get people off of Colonel Reb onto whatever the next thing is, which is now Land, Land Shark. Land Shark's dumb. It's it's, like, it's, it's really dumb. It's not Mississippi. I mean, the only thing that people can say for it is, well, Tony Fine, you know, good Rebel, and obviously, you know, res- so, respect so for when, him. When but the defense is good. They can do the fins up thing. After a play. Right, Just sure. And Marshall Henderson did it a little bit. It doesn't mean the basket. I mean, has anybody on the basketball team done it at all this year? I haven't. I have not seen anyone on the basketball team do it. So, I mean, I just, whatever. It, it makes no sense. It, and then, oh, they spent saying that apparently behind the scenes we fought well, aggressively. NCAA, which is the biggest that's the I've biggest I've never lie. heard that before it's like yeah we heard and I mean it like it was so dumb exemplary cooperation was clearly the strategy they denied that that was a strategy he denied that was a strategy more lol. fake lol I mean so if they he, were 
did he try to take credit for the for the low scholarship numbers? Be like, basically, we did it right. It worked. No, they they said the penalties were severe. Right, because I mean, honestly, if if he didn't say that, that would be even stupider. Like, that's like that's like telling your parent that they didn't spank you hard enough, right? I mean, you always say it hurts. It's. I, I still cannot fathom why when the whole Mike Sheridan thing happened with Moncrief mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it got where this was going in 15, go get the New York times and run a damn story mm-hmm. about racist Mike Sheridan. Yeah. Play that car and shut everybody up. I and mean, now, now yeah. you have Ole Miss a champion for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, underprivileged African American. I mean, that's beautiful PR. Exactly, but no one, no one at Ole Miss actually understands what PR is or how you're supposed to execute it. Exactly. That much, that much is very clear. It's the year of the fan, though, Sanders. You right. can like I know. in a faux radio booth and call the game. You can. Uh, oh wow! Go, you can go do the oh the fan combine. They're going to have a combine for fans. Thank sure. God! I I really wanted to go to the gym, but at Ole Miss. The damn way you think about all this. You're going to be able to go into the stadium and hit a golf shot on the, like the 50 yard line closest to the pin for prizes. That's dumb it's as hell. Be, so they're just trying to make shit up at this point. Yeah, that's a fail. Um. So, uh, yeah. If oh, you, oh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, here's the best one though. Okay, tell me. Ask about monetizing the Grove, and then saying, "Well, it's too complicated and not the right thing to do." What the hell? It's not hard. Yeah, too complicated as opposed to the current the current Grove rules are just freaking like who could understand what they're supposed to do. They change the fucking time every year for the Grove. It's uh-huh. six seven, it's seven thirty. Well it's also not- also it's like the Grove has already been monetized by all of these third party tent vendors, <laughs> which is pretty much how anyone does it anymore. I guess. Charge them a charge them either charge them a damn fee to do business. Yeah, or just wipe them out. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think the the third party vendors is a good system that works for everyone. I think it, it keeps congestion out of the grove the night before. Um, I, I don't really understand why you can't give them licenses, let them set up their tents or whatever. I mean, go ahead and say, okay, only 70 percent of spots are going to be allowed to be filled by these people. Leave the rest for you know students and families that want to come set it up themselves. <laughs> Start off with like take twenty percent of the grove and sell it, and then just see what the hell happens. Mm-hmm. The walk of champions, you make that, you got to you pay to get a spot. And oh, the other thing he was saying, well, you know, some games it'll be packed, and other games you'll have a spot there that's empty. The walk of champions is always lined with people. Yeah, and so like, much easier for people to walk over and line the damn thing. That's that's just such a stupid argument. Um, no, it's it's that's really dumb. How the hell can you talk about we need to grow this and that and then not monetize the Grove? The Grove's already, like you said, the Grove's already monetized. Right, yeah. People assume write a damn check so they don't have to deal with the hassle of the crap beforehand anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, why do they let 7 South and all them other guys just do this is absurd. I mean, anyway. No doubt about it, yeah. Um. Oh, I guess the other random thought I have is I want to see what everybody, the assistant coaches, are actually getting paid when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. How much of that salary pool is being utilized? I mean, because 
I mean, it's like, does this staff really deserve top five money? I mean, probably not. I, I, I think the top the top five money. Million dollars, that would be fun. I think the reason they're they're making top five money is partially to take the blow off of hiring Luke, which was pretty jarring to the fan base at the time. Um, also because they really felt like they had to keep a lot of these coaches to keep the current roster happy. And I guess, you know, Longo was saying he was going to go be the head coach at UTEP or whatever. I don't know. I guess that they were saying, you know, you have to pay us, keep us happy. Or maybe, you know, our dumb administration just assumed that and just went, went ahead and, and gave them all raises. Maybe they gave Alex uh, who, or uh, this Austin Thomas guy a bunch of money. Which I hope so. Actually- I hope so. But that wouldn't even come out of that same money, I don't think, out of the assistant pool. I don't know. They make shit up all the time. Yeah, I hope they did. I mean, Austin Thomas is one of the the more intriguing and and, uh, encouraging developments to come out of this offseason for Luke. uh, What's your thought on the Ole Miss Rebels cheer before the game when they try to go around the stadium? I mean, it's whatever. I don't really care that much about that stuff. I mean, they change it up all the time. I wish that we had something more endearing. I mean, here's the thing. We have the hottie toddy. The hottie toddy is one of the better – cheers uh everybody in the stadium knows it um you know it's loud we use it at appropriate times for the most parts other than that i don't really care that's pretty much our only tradition that's worth a damn um so whatever whatever the spirit squad and the you know the marketing people come up with the ad every year it's not that i like it it's more that i just don't care at all like it doesn't it doesn't affect me i don't think it affects recruiting uh, it's kind of like the mascot. It's it's for kids. It's for people in the stadium, I guess, that, that like doing new cheers. I don't really know who it's for, but I don't really care about it. What's your thoughts on it? Is it do, you, do you dislike it? I guess if I really think about it, I mean, I think I think our in-stadium, Ole, Ole Miss is not a hard place to play, and – it's not intimidating. It's always been the cocktail party crowd as opposed to right. you're going in and really feel, you know, feel like you're up against it that day. Uh-huh. But I don't know. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. We have that be the situation and, and go from there. I mean, you're not going to get a hundred. I mean, you're not going to have a, ever have a hundred thousand person stadium. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and if you did, it would be half empty, you know, 10 games a year. Joke. It would be it would be I mean, pretty bad. They're they're never the most I could ever see being added would be suites in the north end zone. Mm-hmm. You would you would mirror the south, and that's as far as you would ever get. Looks like so. uh, Darius Geis going to the draft based on this tweet I'm seeing. Yeah, it makes sense. From four eighteen today. Yeah, it's a video of him talking, but looking at the uh, replies, like he's going. Uh, who's their running back next year? They had somebody this year in the wings, didn't they? Uh, I thought they no did. Was as good as guys on that team. Yeah, true. Um, it, I think yeah, I think next year because is Atling the quarterback again? I mean, who's going to be their quarterback? Oh God, uh, no, 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 no. I've been hearing um, they're going to start Miles Brennan. Is what I hear. Oh shit! Yeah, so that's that could, that could go really bad for Orgeron. Ole Miss can walk in there in September and give them a game. I mean, that, probably better better quarterback, better wide receivers. You know, you're at a disadvantage on defense. Yeah, I mean, definitely a good shot there. Is this is this year the beginning of the end for Orgeron? 
How many more seasons does he have? Um, if he has a crap, if he goes like seven and five, I think he gets one more year. Mm-hmm. Do they have an OC yet? Uh, yeah, they uh they promoted like the tight end coach. I think. Are you shitting me? No, no, no. Yeah, um, Insmeyer. Insmeyer is the new OC. What the hell? Insminger, whatever his name is, Steve Insminger, I think is his name. Well, uh, maybe they'll score fifty points a game next year. I mean, you never know. But... Yeah, maybe, um, but I don't know. Um, I, I, oh, would, I would love to see LSU suffer next year. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Uh, oh, he's a former LSU QB. He good Tiger. Right, he's a good Tiger. So, I he's mean, good. that's that's why they hired Orgeron because he has a Cajun accent and he just really wanted the job. Damn he, it! Insmeyer almost looks like Orgeron a little bit. Oh, really? I gotta I gotta uh, Google this one. He's a good tiger. Oh, he does. Yeah, he, he looks like uh, Orgeron's like older brother. Yeah, if you tell him he's like Orgeron's like uncle or something, I totally. Buy Dude, it. he looks a lot like him. You're right, just with the white hair. That's pretty funny. They both have like very full neck and head areas. Good tiger. Oh my god, dude, oh my god. hilarious. Um, what are we? So, hell, I don't know. It's been a short pile. I'm gonna yeah, take, yeah. Maybe rapid fire. Let's go around the league because fo- football's king. LSU, I think they either stay the same or get worse next year. A and M, I'll say I don't think it works with Jimbo. I you just don't, think, you don't think so. Would it work with anyone? Is it the job? I think there's just something inherent about A and M that it just won't work mm-hmm. for whatever reason. That's my. It seems I like think, they have really high expectations, and then when it doesn't work out, there's not enough of a backlash for it to matter. It just kind of just kind of say, eh, whatever. I think A and M's fundamental problem is they are too obsessed with what goes on in Texas. Ooh, interesting. This is a good take. I think they all they fundamentally, and the I think A and M is content right now to be better than Texas. But then if Texas gets really good, they're, they're just going to get pissed about it and then panic, and they won't get there. Until proven otherwise, until they break through, I just think that's where A&M State is. And I, I'm n- never going to predict, predict they get over the hump. So you think Jimbo's just getting paid, doesn't really care about the long-term future there? Jimbo's taking the money and just saying, what the, you know, yeah, I mean, the thing Jimbo about that won. job is he – sorry, you make your points, but I feel like he probably – no matter what happens, his reputation is going to be intact. People will just blame the job. Yeah, well, I think J- – there was a lot of New York Times digging around Tallahassee when Jimbo was there. Yeah. I think part of Jimbo was like, I am tired of everybody up my ass and having to cover it, cover – you know – they were barely able to keep that shit under control. Yeah. So I think he's just kind of like, you know, let me go hit the reset button. Maybe there's something about the president there. Oh, these guys are going to pay me $75 million. Okay. Yeah. Well, another thing about Tallahassee is you got, you got the state capital there. There's, there's in my estimation, probably a lot of reporters, a lot of media presence that you probably, and not necessarily all friendly to the program. I'm sure in, in college station, the only media you're going to have is going to be very solidly pro A and M. I think it's yeah. probably easier to do what you got to do if you're a Jimbo, quote unquote, players coach kind of guy. So I just I think A and M goes eight and four, nine and 
they're an eight and four, nine and three program. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, eternally. Arkansas is going to suck. What's Morris trying to do there? Is he is he is he going to go spread? I have no idea. Because that's what he ran at SMU, right? He's a spread coach. I don't think that I don't think it'll work at all with Morris. Yeah, my I just think that's a. I get the idea behind the hire. I just don't see how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think see. it would be a good idea for Arkansas to hire someone that recruits the hell out of Texas. And I'm not saying Morris is definitely that, but I think that would be smart for where they're at and the resources they have in that state. I don't know if there is a good answer to Arkansas. It's because you have too many resource locally resource limitations. Yeah, you're super limited. You have a ton of money from the Waltons, but you're and from Jerry Jones and all, but you're pretty limited on the, the natural money. talent. Yeah. Um, State is probably going to go. They're probably they feel like a seven and five team. Mm-hmm. They got you the know, off, they got the I, offensive I, genius. If, State, if you told me State went nine and three, I'd buy it because Mike Moorhead's a good X and O's coach. The problem the problem is is Moorhead gonna have the capital to bench Fitzgerald? Well, who does he have behind him? He has Keaton Thompson, who beat Louisville. Oh come on! That was a Mike Petrino team. That didn't give a shit. But yeah, but what fair, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, Moorhead is a passing guy. Fitzgerald can't pass. Yeah, he could probably have a decent season. But he's gonna have to remake his entire offense to fit this run-first quarterback. Or is he just say screw it? Does he say screw it and play Thompson? I sense Moorhead's smart enough to change his offense, do more, be more run-based. See, okay, and so and that makes me feel like they probably will just have a mediocre season because they hired this passing guru, and he's gonna he's gonna change his whole offense the first year. It's probably not a great recipe for success. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think he's gonna struggle to recruit in a lot of areas. Yeah, just, well, I mean, it's already hard enough to recruit to Starkville, and I, I think it, it took Mullen quite a while before he was pulling down the well, type of classes. State, I think he, there's. He's going to take him a bit to figure out Mississippi. Do you think? Do you think he is at even more? I think he's maybe in a better position than Mullen was when he first got there. I mean, they're both from out of the area. I think more. I think Morehead will will win six games each year in the next three years. Yeah, but recruiting recruiting wise, they were both Yankees. They both came into it not really knowing. I mean, I guess Mullen had the Florida. Experience yeah, I was gonna say no, no, no. Mullen, Mullen understood the SEC and the South from coaching with but, Urban, from coaching with Urban at Florida, yeah. and, and so he that's that's the question on Moorhead. Moorhead has no experience whatsoever with that, and he's got to he's got to learn it. I'm not saying he can't learn it, but it's gonna it's it's gonna take him a year or two. Yeah. So I think they kind of hang around seven and five. He, I expect. I think he'll be decent there overall. Um, Alabama, they're the favorite. They're going to be better because two is better. Um, and then Auburn, Stidham's back. Carryon Johnson's gone. Mm-hmm. They're nine and three. Yeah, I mean, we're better. I think they could they could do better than that. They're going to have a chip after. After beating Bamba and still not getting to go. Well, I, mean, they, I think Georgia's probably the best non Bama team in the league next year though, right? I agree. <laughs> See, I don't They still have I'm, Michelle, right? Chubb's gone, but they're gonna keep Michelle. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, Georgia needs to figure out who they have at running back. But other than that, they're pretty solid. I think Swift's pretty damn good. So. Right, yeah, yeah, you're right. If I'm a Georgia fan, I, well, they're going to get back to that game. Yeah. They're going to win one under Kirby. Oh, they, at least one. I bet the Kirby wins his first one in the next three seasons. Kirby's going to – I mean, they're – Kirby's going to do his thing there for a while. I guess the question is, what? How, how many does he have to win there before Bama fans want to hire him to get him out of there over Dabba? I, I think that's conceivable, isn't it? If 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 Saban's still around for another couple years, three, oh, four years. Why in the hell would Kirby leave Georgia go to Alabama? I don't know. I mean, unless, yeah, you're right. That's the admin got screwed up, you know. But didn't it wasn't didn't we always hear that the Georgia admin wanted Rick to be dirtier? You know, they 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 wished yeah, he had recruited more. I'm I'm thinking eight years from now. Kirby's won him a title. But so eight years from now Dabo's the coach at, at Bama, right? There's no way Saban lasts eight years. Dabo will not leave Clemson. See I think I think Dabo is right now he's Saban's replacement unless something changes. I uh, I don't I think I think Dabo, Dabo can do whatever he wants at Clemson the rest of his life. And yeah, but if he if he goes to Bama, he could. The guy taking the job at Bama is going to have a. If I, but if he's I he's Bama, a Bama I'd go, guy. I'd go hire a young guy. I think Dabo's still young enough. No, I'm talking about a young guy that hadn't won. Hadn't won at that. You know, I don't. I, I wouldn't don't, go. I don't think there's any way they do that though. Bama fans are going to want proven experience day one they, they think it's the best job in the country by far get some get the young up-and-coming 42 year old and just say have at it i think that's interesting i think they're safer going with Dabo, but yeah the question is can you convince him to come i don't know it's honestly going to be super interesting when saban retires it's it's going to yeah. set in set in motion some uh some things that will probably define college football for the five or ten years after that yeah, um, the East, Kentucky's trash, Tennessee's trash, mm-hmm. Missouri's probably seven and five, eight and four. Uh huh. Muschamp probably goes eight and four, nine and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they they might be the second best team what? in the East next Florida, year. Dude. Florida have a winning season. Yeah, I think I think the question is who who can Mullen get to run his offense next year? But they everywhere other than QB, they should they should have plenty more talent than he's ever had at state to work with. Florida, if they went five and seven, I wouldn't be surprised. If they went nine and three, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they have the most volatility. They're the hardest. To I mean, we saw them win the East twice under McIlwain with like no offense. So we we know that the job can basically fall ass backwards into a champion into a conference a division championship. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising if Florida versus Georgia is what decided, you know, the East champion looking at the teams next year. Um, but Muschamp should have a decent team. What's going to happen to Pruitt at Tennessee is the question. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. We'll see. Who, who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Is Vandy going to get to six and Mason keep his job, or is that? I don't know. I think it's. I think they they need to move on from uh from Derek Mason. He, he's not he's not getting it done in any meaningful way. Way too many moral victories, and they get close at times. This year was supposed to be um, a much better year for them than it was. Um, so I, I definitely think it's time to move on from Mason. I don't know when they will. Um, it's kind of hard to predict at Vandy, but who knows? 
All right, we wasted five minutes talking about the SEC, SEC football. Yeah, we did our job, John. We're 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 sitting at uh, almost fifty-one minutes here. You know, we thought um, it's... it is clearly Georgia, Alabama all over again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and I won't. I'm not necessarily upset about that. I hope. I just hope Georgia can actually win this time. Um, yeah. I, I like I, I like Kirby. I do think I do think Georgia gets a no, notable step better next year because, I mean, Georgia's one year removed from getting the shit beat out of them in Vaughn Hemingway. I mean, we watched yeah. that team get mauled. Yeah. By, well, part of that was with Jacob Eason, huh? Just not as good as Fromm. Yeah, he's gone. Which to Washington, yeah. Let's see what he does if he does anything at Washington. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, they're recruiting so well at Georgia. I mean, Kirby's just destroying it. I mean, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but they're... Uh, they have a higher potential ceiling than Alabama because of Atlanta. Yeah. Uh-huh. They can definitely pull. Like, naturally, natural resources, they can pull more. Uh, we're talking about unnatural resources. I think the Georgia boosters are ready to match whatever the Alabama boosters want to do. Well, financially, they can play ball. Exactly. And Well, and it's not just... It's not just having the money. They're willing to do what it takes. Well, um, the other it, thing, too, is that really they can offer more. Atlanta's got more to, Atlanta's yeah. got more career to offer. Well, and they I think Kirby clearly more. brought the system from Alabama, the recruiting system, whatever you want to call it or term it. Kirby, Kirby knows all where all the bodies are buried. Exactly. He knows, all the, yeah. it, he knows how to replicate it. In, uh, He's going to implement it in Atlanta. He's going to implement it with a fan base that is desperate. Yeah, a fan base that was begging Rick to to let them pay the players and all. And I'm sure, I mean, they definitely were. I mean, Georgia was getting tons of good players before. They were definitely paying them. But I think now the uh, the brick lines have been cut. There's there's no governor on the recruiting engine right now. Yep. Oh man. All right. Well, we talked uh, about a lot this week. Wait, what are you saying, John? Saying last note on this was number eleven in some baseball preseason ranking. Yeah. I mean, as you as you correctly pointed out, baseball preseason rankings are about as worthless as a preseason ranking can be. They mean absolutely nothing. Well, last year, what Ole Miss beat like the preseason number four or whatever. They swept them in the first series and then had a mediocre season. So, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't base too much off of that. You got to play the games. Yeah. Um, so. I think uh, Ryan Rollison was first team All American. Do expect him to have a great season. Could be so. good. I think this team is going to be 2013-ish. Have really, they're going to have top-tier pitching, but are they going to have any hitting to go with it? Yeah, the hitting is going to have to take a really big step if, if they're going to if they're going to uh, do better this year than they did last year. So we'll see. There's plenty of time for us to talk more about this baseball team. Uh, more basketball, like I said, we got signing day for football coming up. Now we'll say one one last comment on this yeah. baseball. In some ways, with with as much pitching as they have, mm-hmm. they're probably they're probably one of the be- best teams Bianco's had that is built specifically for TD Ameritrade. That's a good point. Yeah, if you're if you were able to find your way there, I guess infield defense would be the other thing you want. It's a, it's yeah, that's still a question mark. I mean, you you feel really good about Kessinger at shortstop. I think they're going to have a newcomer playing second, but I hear they got some good options. Um, it's possible. We'll see. I, I, last year, the defense could have been better, but I think they have the potential to play really good defense with the guys they have. Um, and like you said, the hitting is always going to be the question. Um, so we shall see. 
Uh, we'll wrap it there for now, guys. Like I said, we thought it was going to be a short episode, and I'm sure you've heard us say this before. We, we've oftentimes done this where we convince ourselves up to talk about and then put in a basically normal-length episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have more to talk about next week. Not, not a guarantee by any stretch, but uh, college football officially over until uh, late next August, early September. The long off-season begins. But um, there'll, be, there'll be stuff that we can talk about for sure coming up. And uh, like I said, we'll get into that baseball team more as the season gets closer. We'll keep following this, uh, you know, mediocre maybe is the word basketball team. You know, love the guys, but they, they, they haven't put it together in any meaningful way yet. So we'll see if that changes at all. Um, thank you for listening. Of course, you can, uh, you can get our episodes on SoundCloud, on iTunes, uh, website LandstruxAfterDark.com, all of that stuff. Have a Twitter account, all the normal stuff we talk about at the end of the show. Um, but we're going to wrap it up there for now. For John, I'm Justin. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.